Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. As always, Alex and Paola join me, Rick, for another episode of fun and wonder and all the words that I didn't prepare that really I should if this was the intro I wanted to go with. <laughs> huh. I also just pulled the face like they can hear that. What am I d- Right, okay. <clears throat> this week, as always, we're going to talk about what we've beaten, retired and been playing. We will then move on to our topic, which for any of you who are in the How Long to Beat Discord, and if you're not, what are you doing? We are going to be picking up on the conversation about subscription and streaming services and why they're evil. Mm. Um, and then if <laughs> <laughs> and you can already see where the where the chips are falling. So um, we'll maybe have time for a question from the community and then we'll finish off. You know what I'm about to say with how, how long, long to be the, the game. game. The game. I stitched you both up. Yeah, time. I was like, wait, where's the lead? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was... This the, is your fault, Rick. That was the biggest false start going. Oh, dear. <laughs> right. Alex, take us in. Tell us about Psychonauts 2. Yeah. Much you can contain your excitement much longer. Lord, no. So I beat two games this week. Uh, two very fun games, actually, both on Game Pass. I beat Psychonauts 2, which... Okay, for me, and like, I'm, I'm already gonna say I'm like pretty biased about this game. Like, I've played Psychonauts 1, absolutely loved it. But I just played it a couple of years ago, too. Like, I didn't play it, you know, in its heyday. Like, I played it on the PS4 maybe like, I don't know, two, three years ago kind of thing. So, um, I don't even know why I did. I think I, oh, it's because Rhombus of Rune was coming out and I'd gotten a PSVR and I had heard of Rhombus of Rune. It was on sale. So I picked it up and I was like, well, if I'm going to play Rhombus of Rune, I should probably play Psychonauts first. So I'm, a, I'm of the very small group of people who has played both Psychonauts and the VR one. And the VR game is wonderful. Like it's excellent. It picks up a day after Psychonauts ends. Um, and this game basically picks up a day after Rhombus of Ruin ends. And so this for me is like a 10 out of 10 game. Like it is just full on beautifully paced super creative very like organically funny like the characters are the only the my only slight negative i'll give on the character front is that they introduce a slew of like fellow psychonaut interns which isn't really like a, a spoiler or anything it's just like there's a group of of people that you're kind of friends with and they're not really fleshed out quite as much as other characters are and i think it's just kind of it's a product of the storytelling and you'll sort of see when you play the game what I mean by it. And it's like, they're not bad or anything. They're actually all interesting little characters. I just kind of, and this is sort of a testament to like the writing in the games. Like I, I just wanted more of them, honestly. I was like, oh, like why don't you have them like be more on missions with me and stuff? But then that's also kind of the conceit of Psychonauts is that, you know, it's a level-based platformer, right? Um, and so the idea is that like when you're entering into different spaces, you know, you're Raz, but you're, you're not being funneled most of the time sometimes you're in interesting places where like there's specific things you have to do but like most of the time you enter into an area and it's kind of like go ahead uh, explore there's tons of collectibles and everything to find so i can kind of understand why like having a companion characters come with you or stuff wouldn't really work because it's like well this isn't like a funneled experience in that way so yeah that that's kind of my only like little quibble with the game but i just oh my god it's so much fun and it, it tackles a story that i think is really ah and this is okay i'm gonna be all over the place with psychonauts too because <laughs> uh, there's so much i want to talk about so this is something that um we've talked about a little bit before where it's like with art i'm really interested in stories that try to tap at some just something about being human, right? Like, it doesn't matter what it is, the biggest thing, the smallest thing. But Psychonauts 2 really explores some, like, profound and 
interesting questions about like justice and like forgiveness and everything that like you might not expect from a game like this that's a crazy colorful kind of deal and like obviously it's delving into the mind so there's like funny things like you're fighting against um you know like things like sensors which are like they come in to like block ideas and stuff or like get get you out of here and then there's like a i'm trying to be careful i'm trying to think of all the enemies that are like inherent non-spoiler yeah Because there's one enemy that's lovely. But anyway, it deals with things like anxiety and like, you know, depression. And and there's this real big theme of like regret and and sort of like an age and stuff. And it's, it's a game about healing. Like that's really what it is. Like it's a game about like healing through younger generations. And it's just, to me, it's really fascinating. It's like this story of intergenerational trauma basically and like how do you come together um and so i was like this is like it was i was like this is really excellent like it's just really good and then it's all wrapped in a really fucking fun platformer where like all the collectibles unlock shit right like it's like everything is working towards your progression so like there's no like arbitrary collectibles you know and that's something that I really like because sometimes in these things, they're like collectathons. You're like, what's the point? Well, they have real tangible benefits because you can upgrade your like psi powers and like all the collectibles, they rank you up. So at first, when you, when you start the game, they're going to keep saying rank up and you're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, what's a rank? <laughs> and then you'll quickly understand, oh, the rank is, um, you know, to upgrade my pins and like get new uh, interesting stuff. And some of the pins can upgrade to like let you traverse levels that you previously couldn't do and like all sorts of stuff. So a little metrophania in that way um but you know more in the line of platformers where you can explore new areas so that's that's awesome one thing i have to highly highly recommend is that if you play this game immediately go into the settings and under controls there's a setting that allows you to do so so there's this thing called levitation where you create a little ball underneath you uh and you kind of roll all over the uh the screen and it it might also be the thing that lets you glide i'm not entirely sure but it takes up one of your size slots and those slots are valuable because you're going to have eight psychic powers and later in the game you're going to be swapping out of them semi-frequently but if you don't turn on this little setting you're going to be swapping a lot more and the setting is there's two of them there's one that says on triple jump you start to glide right away so you do, there's a double jump, then you press the third one and a little balloon will appear and you'll start your glide. So you just have to hit the jump button three times. And then there's another button under that that says glide to ball. And that means that on the fourth press of the button, your little um, like glide will turn into the levitation ball. So you never have to use the levitation side power. And I'm telling you, should just be the default like i use that and it, it was so fucking helpful because i've seen some people complain about like the ah, i need to use this button right. so anyway that's going into the weeds like a little bit like technical thing but if you're gonna play the game do this trust me it makes it just perfect perfect but bottom line what you're saying is that double fine have razzed their game <laughs> what what that's the main character's name main character's name it is, is but what do you mean they've by razzed their game raised their game oh, oh they've raised but you see you gotta understand here <laughs> razzing is like making fun of someone oh <laughs> uh, okay again if you razz someone you make fun of them i don't know if that might be i'm wasted on this crowd i'm Sorry. wasted <laughs> on this crowd cultural difference <laughs> they did raise the bar though it's crazy when you think about it i mean 20 years since and like this was first kickstarted a long time ago. well not kickstarted like through fig or something ages ago so it's on ps4 because they agree that they put it on everything but uh, there's no ps5 version because well xbox owns it so there's an xbox series x version that's very nice and optimized but they're like we'll fulfill the we'll fulfill our promise to put it on the ps4 and you can play it backwards compatibly on your ps5 if you want but yeah future psychonauts is with microsoft and i oh my god i'm telling you 
playing this game, it's like, ah, this is what Double Fine can do when they're given the proper budget and time to make their game. Like, they're excellent artists who create incredibly fun games. I had a big goddamn smile on my face the entire time. Like, it was just, ah, it's so beautiful. It's like playing a game from 20 years ago, but in the best way possible, right? Like, you're like, this is a collectathon that's really fun to play, really smooth, looks gorgeous, and has something interesting to say. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I don't know. It's like, I know Ukulele came out like a while back, but like that game, I think sort of got panned because like, I don't know, you probably agree. Like a lot of collectathons are just sort of bare bones, right? Like they don't really have kind of a point to them. There's often no connecting story and there's no real, like sometimes collectibles are just kind of there. There's no like nice thing tied to it. But like this feels like learning all the lessons of the greats that have come before and like combining them all together. Yeah. I mean, the the collectathon thing's always been like, it's about the journey, not the destination in gameplay form i feel and i i personally find that quite dull a lot of the time unless there's something really clicking in it but by the sounds of it all you're saying is that psychonauts adds a destination and makes the journey prettier and better in the process yeah and you never know what you're going to be doing like uh, there are some levels that are kind of similar but all the levels are just like it's wildly different right and there's like different conceits there's like one where you're creating recipes which is really funny uh you're on like a cooking show it's great um and there's like all this kind of shit in it that so i highly recommend if you have game pass this is like if you haven't already installed it like what is wrong with you like this game is so goddamn good like you need to get on this shit asap like just very very fun so yeah that's psychonauts i sort of wish i extended my playthrough like i was i <laughs> just so I could talk about it more often on the podcast. But, you know, I, I was too good. I had to, I had to beat it. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> the next game that I beat is, believe it or not, Mist, the 1993 classic, but they completely remade the game. And so it's called Mist 2021 um, is like what it's like, you know, it's just called Mist on the thing. But like, you know, how long to beat it, whatnot, you'll see it as 2021. And this was first, I believe, remade for Oculus, or like one of the VRs, which apparently in VR, it's like, it's fine. But I will... I will admit, I'm, I'm curious how it works in VR because this is a game where you really got to take notes. But I guess in VR, they let you take pictures in game or something so you can like access those. So I think they have a workaround. Mist also originally was um, positionally based because it was originally essentially uh, a glorified PowerPoint made game. So True. it's almost the perfect candidate for VR because you don't have to have free movement. Well, I presume because they put it in real Mist, presumably you get real movement when it comes back to normal consoles, right? Oh, yeah. So on this one here, it's full real movement, and it's fast. So like you have a walk, but you also have a run, and the run is real nice and clippy. And it is like, man, they remade the entire game in Unreal Engine, and it's it's beautiful. Like I was saying, it has ray tracing. I was like, Mist has ray tracing. <laughs> it's just one of those things where I was like, what the fuck? And it seems like they've brought some quality of life improvements because just from what I've sort of read from like Mist and even real Mist and stuff, there was like weird little quirks about like how many pages you can get and stuff and like when to carry them. And like, they've just made that a bit easier. And some of the, so I've noticed just looking at pictures um, of the old Mist of like some of their puzzles because afterwards I was sort of curious. I was like, how much is it different? Like some of the layouts are a little bit different, right? Like they've kind of, I would say they sort of optimized it a little bit. And so it's not just like, a, oh, we just, we just remade the game. It's like, well, we remade it, but we also made it like just just kind of work a little bit better for you if you're playing today kind of thing. So I thought it was really fun. It's only like four uh, and like a half hours, I think is how long I sunk into it, um, which is actually a bit yeah. shorter, I think, than how long Mist usually takes because again, they've you know fixed some shit and it's like a little bit faster. Um, it's really fun. You're on this island. It's like the central node. And it's one of those games like 
man puzzle games owe everything to this game <laughs> like honest to god mm. it's like this is it man this is it and like playing it i was like oh this is called the sea oh this is the wit like it's like all these games you're like oh this is this is it like you know <laughs> and the fact that it stands up so well today like i was like i had a great time the only the only part of this game that is kind of stupid is there's like this underground railway thing where you have to like find your way through it and it's not really a puzzle you know like you're like this it's probably trial and error if it's the one i'm remembering yeah it is and so yeah. i was doing it and i was like this isn't really a puzzle man like there's like dings and stuff but you're like really i'm just like backing up going through creating a map of my own until i get there i was like that's 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 not really a puzzle <laughs> um so i was like all right but um yeah i don't know it's, it's just good so the, some of the like you know voice acting and facial animations are still hilarious looking but like they're they're better <laughs> and also it's one of those early games where it's like you know you're learning through like you books and whatnot and like there are technically audio logs in it and whatnot so i'm just kind of like really cool shit going on so if you again if you have game pass give mist a try man like it's, it's good shit it's just a good puzzle game um mm. and, and two notes on mist as well firstly um if you don't have game pass and you think oh i want to try one of the other versions be fucking careful because there are some dog shit versions of uh, mist yeah. like, my my first experience of mist was the nintendo ds port i have a copy of that hey <laughs> Oh, don't ever oh, open no, it. I it's won't. cursed. It's not, it's not good. It's glitched as hell. Everything's compressed more than it was in the 93 version. Mm. There, there's some of it that is just absolute ass. The 3DS version is basically that one done again with like mm. a, a 3D kind of paint. There's also a PSP version, which fuck knows how that works because it's the same slideshow type thing and gotcha. they've, they've done various sort of crappy bits. Second thing is, and I'm not sure if I've got it on my shelf at the moment, I do. This is of no use to you for listening to this. This is purely for Alex and Paola. So <laughs> that's fine. The brothers, Random Robin Miller, who did Mist, did mm-hmm. a trilogy of books in universe uh, without giving oh. anything away around some, it's like a, a prologue trilogy around mm. some of the characters that become central cool. to your journey in Mist. They're sort of out of print. I think there's like a, a big chunky trilogy book. They're called Miss the Book of Actress, and then there's two others. I've only got the first one with me, but they're really, really good if you nice. like the game and you're like, I want more of this story. Well, because the story was cool. Like, honestly, like mm. as I was going through it, I was like, this is pretty cool. And like when I finished it, I was like, kind of nice if they tried to make another one instead of just remaking this game 3,000 times. <laughs> but I'm like, I was like, because that's, that's pretty neat stuff that you got going there. I was like, you created a pretty cool world. Um, and they carried it on because there's like five of the games in this series. Is there? Okay. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mist, Uru, Riven. There's a couple of others. Riven. Yeah. Right. That was the other big one, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And then like... Uru, it all started to fall into obscurity. The other one, um, yeah. I don't know if it's on Game Pass, is a game called Abduction. Ooh, I don't know if it is. It's made by the same company. It's completely separate from the universe, but it's basically similar gameplay. I've, it... I've had it on Steam for like six Ab years and Ab... just never played it. Obduction. O B. Duction. Obduction. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, interesting. Cool. Huh, 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 interesting. Um, yeah, you know, Mist was that one that, like, I don't know what it is. Mist just culturally hit something, you know? Like, obviously, I was a fucking baby in 93. I was one year old, so, like... <laughs> I didn't exist in <laughs> yeah, 93. Yeah, it didn't exist, yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, I don't know. But I just remember, I remember Mist being, and, like, I was sort of talking with Paula about this, too, in the thing, where it's, like, Mist, I feel like, was sort of derogatorily known as, like, the mom game, because it was, like, a game that 
got so popular and everyone sort of played it because you know gamers were real nice back in the day uh, and still are <laughs> but anyway <laughs> um, all of you to assume the situation has improved all that much no, yeah i know that's what i'm saying yeah but like the, <laughs> but i think the reason too is that like the game is so it is accessible um mm. And especially with probably the point and click form, it's actually more like a traditional video game now than it probably was when it first came out um, because of the fact that you're moving all throughout the environments. But like, I think it's just a testament to how good this game actually is that it still holds up today. Um, and like, you can still go in and have like a great time with it. Oh, one thing that is really important to know about this game actually though. So they do not explain this, but um, when you're trying, okay, there are levers in this game on a certain area. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you have to hold down the interact button and you have to use the right stick. So this is the only time you ever do this to move the levers. And like it doesn't tell you because some levers will move just by pressing interact on it. So like just by pressing the interact button, some levers will go up. But then for some reason, some of them don't. And I was like, like I actually had to Google. I was like, bruh, how do I make these levers move? I was like, I know what I gotta do. I know I have to use these levers, but how do I do it? And like I found some beautiful soul was like, oh bro, hold that RT button and move that right stick. It'll work. And I was like, oh thank Jesus. Cause like no combination seemed to be doing it. So for the remake, they literally just bloober teamed some of the levers. I think so. Yeah. I mean I don't know. Maybe that's how the levers worked originally anyway. I'm not really sure. Well, no, yeah. I don't think so. I thought you were talking about something completely different, which is why I started laughing, but that's no I there. I think the reason maybe is that there are a few levers where you don't necessarily need to move it all the way. Right? Like, it's like they can kind of, like, to solve the puzzle, you kind of had to figure out, do I go all the way up? My memory's fuzzy. Yeah, anyway. My memory's Just just as a a PSA, if you get stuck at one point on some levers, just make sure you do that. (laughs) Um, Anyway, good game. I highly recommend it. And I have to add that to my wish list. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. And again, this new version, (laughs) this new version is easily the definitive version. Also, if you played Myst before, I didn't try this mode, obviously, but at the beginning... Uh, they offer you um, randomization of puzzles. So, oh, shit. Yeah, okay. I don't know what that means. Like, I was like, does that mean just the answers are different, but the puzzles are inherently the same? Does that mean you, ch- you drastically change puzzles? I was like, I don't know what that means, but uh, they do change it up. So if you're really familiar, they had the classic option. That's what I played because I was like, well, I'm going to do it classic first, just to know what's up. But yeah. maybe I'll go back and see what the randomized is. Anyway, Rick, you want to tell us what it was you beat? Because I know, Paula, you got nothing this week, huh? Yeah. Um, oh, you have got a retirement, Alex. That's new. Okay. So I, I thought it was going to be just one long road of me, but we'll uh, we'll start with the completions and we'll go from there. So I completed two games this week. Uh, the first of which was Root Film for the PS4. I really liked this. Really liked it. Overall, I will say my main criticism is that it really sags in the middle. Mm. So like the first 25% of the game, excellent. The last 25% of the game, excellent. It almost lost me in the middle. And if I wasn't kind of interested where some aspects of it go, didn't already know it's quite a short game to start with. I, I clocked it in around about 14 hours. Wasn't loving some of the characters in the art. I might not have stuck with it. And as satisfying and interesting and compelling as the conclusion and the, the final sort of route to it are, I really think that they could have dropped some more breadcrumbs, spaced it out a little bit, made it a little bit clearer a little bit earlier where it was going without giving too much away. The game is split up into seven chapters, uh, five of which star um, Max Yagamo and two of which star his sister Riho. Now, the two starring Riho are connected, but it's not immediately obvious how. It only really becomes obvious at the end of the fourth of Max's five chapters. 
So there's a period of time where you're playing Max 2, 3, and 4, Riho 1 and 2, and it's not actually obvious where anything's going. And not in a way of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen with X, or I wonder what the deal with Y is. Just in the way of like, I'm playing a load of seemingly disconnected murder mysteries. It felt like playing Phoenix Wright puzzles or courtrooms, but four different ones from three different games out of sequence. You didn't really know whether you were coming or going. There, there was an overarching thing, but it wasn't clear how anything mapped up and not mm. in a clever way, just in a, a disjointed way. But overall, it is really, really good. The characterization especially, because what this game chooses to do, and to an extent a hurdle it makes for itself to clear, is have a much more grounded, realistic world, which, as anyone who's heard Paola talk about some of the VN she plays will be aware isn't always the norm and and actually a lot of what holds you with a game like a Danganronpa or an Ace Attorney is some of the wacky stuff where things are going how eccentric certain elements of that are and that heightened sense of realism um, does something different to it and probably holds you through some of those flatter more deflated moments that that a game like that is inevitably going to have Um, this game doesn't have that and overall I think it's much the better for it because it makes it counterintuitively really stand out but it does also mean that it hasn't got that to hide behind if that makes sense i wouldn't necessarily say this is the game that would convert someone uh, for a number of sort of small interconnected reasons despite lacking the eccentricities there are sort of japanese elements that might put someone off who isn't familiar with them or au fait with them or has a bit of a, a preconception towards that kind of thing it plays too much and too little like a VN at the same time. So like there's sections where it's asking you to bob around different areas on a map. And it's just like, I wish you'd just curated this and I could keep reading the story. Uh, There's also segments of story where it feels like it's trying to give you things to do, but they're not really things to do. It feels like you're doing them for the sake of doing them. And it just feels like a a needless waste of your time almost. And that's too strong language, but it's just to sort of emphasize what that is. But if you're someone who likes storytelling in games, who already has some kind of familiarity with the ends, or at least isn't entirely opposed to them, um, I think this is well worth checking out. Probably over the the predecessor root letter, because they're, they're disconnected in, in most story ways. It's just the Shimane prefecture that it all takes place within. And root letter is amazing. I really enjoyed that one. But it is a little bit more cliche in its narrative. It at its core, is a innocent but slightly creepy romance plot. Basically, it's about a guy who used to have a pen pal when they were like teenagers. She told him all about her friends, her life, and what was going on, and then she just disappeared. And after a few years, he finally sort of plucked up the courage to go back to the city that she lived in and try and find her. And he's got to work out who her friends were with time split apart based purely on the descriptions that she'd given him. Um, obviously everyone's moved on they've got adult lives now and ultimately work out the mystery of where she's gone it feels like it makes a lot more leaps the story feels a little bit more like an excuse for the plot to happen does that make sense yeah okay oh, it's yep. felt like a very strange sentence when i yeah, formulated it sounds like it. visual novels to me yeah go ahead <laughs> whereas root film actually feels like a, a proper story in, in totality even with those flat moments in the middle um, and I, I think it's a better place to start. And if you enjoy that, you'll probably have a great time with Root Letter as well. What I'm trying to say is it's a really good game. <laughs> <laughs> We're dancing around it, but it's a good game. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would also say if you can play it on Switch, 
or if you ha- have access to remote play functionality on PS4, or, and I need to check if the game's on Steam before I say this, uh, if you're planning to get a Steam Deck soon, I, I think this is one of the many games where having it in a portable form does sort of make all the difference to it and to what you do with it. Um, I'm just going to say, like, in general, visual novels just fit portable formats so much. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Looks like it is um, PS4 and Switch only. So ignore what I said about the Steam Deck with this game in particular. I actually feel like this is a game you'd really, really enjoy, Paolo. I think it'd be a really cool palette cleanser for you between uh, Keiji Inafune's daughter, the uh, the murder mystery, and Travel Back in Time Girl. Actually, I've been like looking at, at both Ruth Leather and Ruth Film for a while now. I haven't found like a time to actually buy the game without killing my finances because mm. there's usually something else killing my finances. Amen to that. Yeah, but I really want to check this one out eventually. Yeah, I, I would say for you, Paola, with, with your background with the genre, Root Letter might actually be a better place to start just because it's a little bit shorter. So Root Film is around about the 15 hour mark. Uh, root Letter, how long to beat.com great website if you want to know how long it's going to take you to beat a game um has it at nine hours my recollection is that i beat it in around about seven and a half uh, i'm quite a fast reader so um it's one of those but yeah good game if it sounds interesting absolutely go and check it out um and then the other one i played and i'm a little bit cooler on this one um is the banner saga which had been sat on my phone i got it in a humble bundle back when they still did android bundles so we're talking seven or eight years at this point and um Paolo playing the game was finally the spur I needed to actually start in and give it a proper go. It's a weird one in the sense that the combat is fine, verging on good. The story is fine, verging on meh. But I feel like as a package, they really aren't cohesive, even though great pain has been taken by the developers to try and make it so. And I'm not really sure why that is. I've been struggling over the past few days trying to put my finger on exactly what goes wrong. With, with the interplay of the two anyway, with combat, I know exactly what, what doesn't quite go wrong. And that is just that it's really difficult to balance the system that they've made. So uh, for anyone who's listening who's not familiar, battles in the Banner Saga give units two values. Strength or vitality, I'm not sure what they call it. They give you a red meter and shield, which is a blue meter. That red meter is both your damage output and your health. So the, the idea is that you choose between chipping away an enemy's shield which is like your ability to damage the shield is a separate parameter from your strength. Um, and you will always be able to do at least one shield damage to an enemy, no matter how much the strength disparity is. Um, or you try and take a swing at their health points. And the amount of damage that you can do to that is dictated by how much more strength you have than them, factoring in how much shield they've got. Um, and if it's in your favor, you can do like seven or eight nine or nine damage in one hit. Um, if it's against you, then there can be like a, a sub 50% chance to even do the one damage. And there's a willpower system beyond that that helps you buff attacks. But that that's almost besides the point, because if you compare it to something like Fire Emblem, which obviously you've been playing, Alex, uh, and you've been playing Paola, your damage mm-hmm. output is independent from your health. So it's just way easier to balance. And while those two being tied together does make for some interesting emergent things in combat encounters, far more often it means that your combat's either going to be way too easy or skull-crushingly difficult. And there's just no happy medium to find. Uh, They really struggle with it throughout. I never, or rather I rarely, felt that I was in a battle that felt like a healthy challenge start to finish. And that's a weird one because you're either breezing through the battles 
or you're just like, what the fuck is it? And to be honest, far more often it's breezing because it was on normal difficulty. As long as you can keep a couple of Val alive in your group, you can steamroll most opponents. Um, and as Paolo alluded to when she talked about the game, uh, there are certain characters, certain abilities, certain item equipments uh, that can low-key break the game, uh, which is not ideal. The other wrinkle as well is it's um, AB, AB, AB turn-taking. So one of your units takes a move, then one of their units takes a move. Um, and what that means is if they have like nine or ten units out, you are almost at an advantage, which it shouldn't really be, because you will take turns much more frequently than they will. Equally, if you're not careful and you get a team down to 5v2, let's say you've got five, they've got two, they're actually much more dangerous to you because they can hit much more frequently. And so it, it's just a, a terrible situation to try and balance out. And the story's fine, but it, it doesn't really grab and it doesn't really connect well enough. And having played it, I actually understand why both of you weren't all that enthused about going and finishing the series because I I finished the first game, even though it's a little bit of a cliffhanger and a somewhat unsatisfactory ending. I I, I don't really care what happens to these people. You know, I, I, I don't... Yeah, no, I just don't really care about the characters and that's such a failing of a story-focused game. You know, you, you want me to care about the people that I play through. That is where the story falls short, actually. This is such a stream of fucking consciousness. The problem <laughs> is you have like an A thread, a B thread, and a C thread. And you spend too much time not dealing with any one thread at any one time that by the time they all come together, you're actually not quite sure whether you're coming or going. Uh, no, no one thread is strongly characterized enough. It doesn't do enough um, to keep you on top of everyone. And there's this really... Um, weird map that you can technically go and have a look at, but it's just a lore dump. And I, I never felt like I truly understood the topography and, and the way that the world connected together, which kind of mm-hmm. sucked. Honestly, I yeah, I jumped off the game Sorry, just because I played it on like <laughs> way early on the PS4, and by the time the third one came out, I was like, oh, I'm on my Switch now, though. I don't really want to play it on the PS4 anymore. <laughs> I think that was honestly it. Like. And I was like, oh, is my save going to jump over? And then I was like, it's too much. It's, it's too 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 hard. And I was like, I'm done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay. But even then, that's also because like, I didn't want to go back enough. on. Exactly, yeah. right? Like, I was like, if I cared enough, like with Mass Effect, I was like, I will move hell and water to transfer my saves and I'll figure it out. You know what I mean? But like, with this, I'm just kind of like, ah, sounds like a lot of work. And I don't really want to play the third one of my decisions from my other two games don't carry over i mean then what's the point right so like it's just the length of yeah. time between them i was like well, i'm done i love yeah, how you recently... saying i'll move heaven and earth and come hell or high water and you just got i'll move hell and water <laughs> yes that's what i'll do <laughs> i like as i was saying it i was like this isn't right but whatever have that's confidence title done guys <laughs> sorry palette what were you saying yeah like, like the only reason i have even even checked the game was because it was like a couple of bucks on the shop, and I had around a couple of dollars worth of gold coins that were like pretty much about to not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't spend like actual money on the game because otherwise I'd be probably mad <laughs> or more uh, disappointed yeah. with the ending of the first game than I actually was. And I am very sad to say this about the game because the, the idea of the Banner Saga is actually one with a lot of potential, but the execution was lackluster. Yeah, they didn't stick the landing, that's ultimately it. And um, I think if they'd actually stuck to doing it as a discrete story rather than three blocks, 
I think it would probably be a lot easier to pace that because it, it when you think about it in that context, it sort of makes sense that they've rushed these three threads to bring them together in time for you to go into the second game so that you're at least going in neatly. But I don't think you really get enough time with any one group. You know, it's I, just a bit. I, I am curious. Well, like I, I'm, I think I, I, I would say they're probably a group to watch. You know what I mean? Like I have a feeling because this, like to be fair, this was this group's first game, right? Like this developer. Mm. I don't, I don't necessarily know if it was the actual like developers themselves because they were ex Bioware staff, right? So um, it's not their first games ever, but this was their first game as like a studio, and so I, I feel like. They're, they're got to be working on something else, right? It's been 2018 since. Um, I'm certain they're working on something. And like, as much as Banner Sega didn't like fully nail it, there is a lot that is impressive about it, right? Like, I mean, even mm. just from an artwork, uh, artwork wise and like conception wise. So, oh, the art's beautiful. Yeah, that can't be understood. Yeah. Anyway, I, I was thinking because they're, um, I don't know. I have a feeling whatever they would do next is going to at the very least be interesting. You know? Yeah, I agree. Should we move oh. on to retirement? Is that it? <laughs> yes, Segway. Yes, yep. please. Alex, let's break me up. Tell us why you're not playing Enslaved Odyssey to the West anymore. I was just... I just played a bunch of platformers. <laughs> it's like, I was kind of done. I, I go through spurts. Honestly, this is a this is a to-be-continued thing. I'm not actually like retiring this heavily because look, I bought this game, my God, so many years ago. So many years ago and I hadn't been playing it. <laughs> and so I just for a little, you know for a brief period of time, was playing it. And so it's just going to go back to the not playing mode, which it has been in for most of its existence as a game in my collection. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it came out in 2010. So I probably honestly bought this game over 10 years ago. Um, maybe less than that, but a long time ago. So, yeah, I, I'm just kind of done. The reason, too, is that, like, Psychonauts 2 came out, and I sort of knew when it came out that I was going to put this down for a bit. But the thing is, Psychonauts 2 is, like, you know, a puzzle platformer with action. And that's, like, kind of what Enslaved is. And I don't really want to put those, like, next to each other because I'm just going to compare them. And, like, that's not fair to Enslaved. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I, uh, Psychonauts 2 has 11 years on this game. It's just not fair. I want to I give Enslaved its proper, proper chance. And I also go through, like, you know, I don't know if people do this too but i go through spurts of console gaming and like gaming uh, based on platforms so like i don't often actually have that much time to like sit in front of my tv and play games um i got lucky this past week because it's been a week off i'm going back to school starting on wednesday so you know by the time you listen to this i'm back in school which means this fella ain't gonna be playing as many games and he'll probably be playing more handheld games <laughs> because it's easier to just pick it up you know in between a homework session or something and bang out like a few minutes playing a game than it is to just, you know what I mean? Like I gotta be in the right space to sit down and play a game with a controller in front of my TV. Like it's, I, I just need to have like at least an hour to like get into that. I find little fits and bursts doesn't work for me. So that's why nothing to do with the game really <laughs> more, just more just lifestyle shit, you know? Uh, what about yep. you, Rick? Well, that, that's really actually a lovely segue into why I've soft retired Wargroove for pc because i was having a great time with it i just didn't particularly want to play it like i with that kind of strategy rpg i really do have to be in the right headspace for it and having sort of played um through the first three acts uh i know there's seven because i had a little google for a guide just to see like how long the campaign goes and how much campaign how many campaign levels rather 
Arcade English, there are left. So mm-hmm. um, I saw that. I was like, oh, that's a lot. I'll probably park it down, just play a couple of levels. That's when I feel like it. So like, it's still installed on my PC. Uh, I will come back to it. So that that is um, in the truest sense of the word a to be continued, not not the kind of to be continued we tell ourselves when we sort of retire a game and <laughs> weren't fully about the retirement. My other two retirements are, are I'm fully about though, uh, and they were two hail marys on the 3DS uh, games that I'd heard were sort of dog shit. I wanted to give them a try anyway because my <laughs> 3DS is hacked. One of them is anyway, uh, and there was zero cost to entry. Uh, the first of those two is Centipede Infestation. This is a twin stick shooter with no second stick where you have the four <laughs> cardinal directions to shoot in. Oh, it's dog shit. Oh, no. Oh, it's not good. Oh, oh no. And um, <laughs> oh, I, it, get, it gets better stroke worse because what they've done for the story is they've got these cartoon segments that uh, I think they they brought the Zelda CDI devs out of retirement. To oh, no. Bits, oh, oh no. it's bad. Oh, it's so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's not even really animated. It's just a series of like stills so almost in the middle so you know where like they want it to look like they've animated it but you've got like someone running and then coming to a stop and then doing something but it's like three discrete drawings and they just like do some effects around them to make it make you think that they sort of tried to animate it a little bit but they really fucking haven't and it's not good in the slightest. i played for like four minutes i was just like no i'm done with you and then i went and played rodeo the sky soldier for the 3ds and that was I played for longer. I played for about half an hour. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> so <laughs> this game was, um, oh, who was it? It was someone who had, like, prior to this, actually a reasonable track record. Oh, no, that's the Sonic dude. It's not Yuji Naka, is it? It is. Uh, apparently, is that, I thought it might Apparently, be this it game is. is really yep. good on the Wii. Apparently, it's quite fun on it. Um, apparently, uh, no, so it, was, it was originally on the Wii. Or the Wii. Wii. Yeah. Uh, but then the Wii wasn't a thing anymore. So it released. For the 3DS and the Wii U. Right, right, right. When you play... Sorry, sorry. Yes, on the Wii U, apparently it's quite fun. Uh, but I've heard oh, it's broken as hell on the 3DS. Like, weird, it's but sort a, of fun. Yeah. It feels like a weird, like, ROM hack of an alpha build of Gravity Rush. Yeah, so you you can quote-unquote fly. Uh, what that really amounts to is you jump, press A again to go into flight preparation mode, which is your 3D model, like spunking themselves in a circle while you point where you want to fly at you press a again and they sort of make a beeline for it and then there's like a a sonic homing attack style thing that you can do while you're flying again it's like a jankier version of cat's kick in gravity rush but it doesn't give you proper camera control so everything you're doing is on the left analog stick so it becomes really wonky because you're moving the character in the camera at the same time you can l and r it but it does it in like 45 degree increments sometimes and sometimes it does it in 90 degree increments and you never know which increment you're going to get. And it's fucking horrific. It's really, really oh. so horrible to try and control. And the flight, one of the things that made Gravity Rush so forgiving is that all you're doing is changing the direction gravity falls. So you can fly wherever the fuck you want for as long as you want. If you need to reorientate four or five times, if you want to fly around a thing a bit to get a recce on it, you can do that. You can't do that in Rodea because your flight is on a meter that like resets when you hit solid ground or when you kick off a wall. But the kicking off a wall is really unreliable. And reaching solid ground is quite hard to do because you're not really doing precision flying. What you're doing is launching yourself in a direction and praying. Um, and the only way to properly land, other than just like flying into the ground and, and um, grillering it, is you have like a, um, a ground pound attack on 
down on the analog stick, which is also like changing your pitch because it's all the one fucking stick um, and pressing B. And because it's all on the one fucking stick, it is really difficult to try and work out where that down is going to hit. I can't tell you the amount of times I just threw myself into oblivion in the half hour I was playing with the game because I couldn't land properly and I was running out of energy. So I needed to land somewhere. I needed to make an attempt. It's bad, yeah? Just, just don't touch it. Go and play Gravity Rush. So interesting addendum. There is a Wii version of this game. So this game was released on the Wii U with the Wii version as a bonus. So the disc was on it. Oh. And the Wii version is a very different game from both the Wii U and the 3DS games. Um, really? And it is considerably better. Like, it's not a crazy good game, but like, it's in the 7-8 ranges when people actually review it. And like, it's a little interesting. It's a little different, but it's actually apparently pretty fun on the Wii. So, like, if you ever actually have a chance, play the Wii version because apparently that's. I might have to have a look. I mean, to be fair, considerably better is a low fucking bar. Let's just be clear on that. It's, it's, it's not a compliment in any sense of the word, but that is interesting. Yeah. The one other thing I will say Nintendo as well. Life, I think, did a video on it recently because I remember watching this and going mm. like, oh, that actually looks kind of neat. Um, it's it's very different looking, you know, but uh, yeah. So anyway, there is a Wii version. It does exist. Okay. I will I will also say as well, just in, if, if you were somehow still on the fence, the story is the twiest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like... Oh, the, the the princess has got like a key of time that, of course, lets her time travel. And the evil kingdom of Garuda wants it for themselves. They come into orbit once every thousand years. So she gives you, her robot bodyguard, half the key for some reason. Mm. And then like you fall asleep somewhere and you wake up a thousand years later and the princess is gone. And you've got to like find your way back. It's, it's hot. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, just no. Oh, Lord. Anyway. Good enough. Um, Shall we move right, on so, to what we're playing? Maybe, uh, Paula, do you want to? Why don't you? I was going to say because Alex, you and I have natted on for all of this episode so far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I've been playing Breath of the Wild. I got all the pieces of armor from the Amiibo sets. Finally, I still need to upgrade them if I want to do the one hundred percent thing. I'm gonna meditate on that one because I need star pieces, and those are rare. And I also activated the Wasteland Tower. So I have only two towers left to activate. The map is almost complete. That's pretty much all I've done on Breath of the Wild because all my time has been spent on the two other games. So I've been playing Amnesia later. And this one is the first of three fun discs to the Amnesia Memories Atomic game. Three. There are three. There's Amnesia Later, Amnesia Crowd, and Amnesia world okay <laughs> and the original game is amnesia memories the thing about this game i i actually need to explain a little bit the first game to actually talk about the second game and it makes some Don't semblance worry, of sense here. we won't understand either way but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> the listeners might though so, so give them what they need <laughs> okay so i'm Memories is an atomic game where you play as this girl who, thanks to this mighty creature called Orion, has amnesia. The way the game is set up is that the main character wakes up in this mystical space, gets an explanation from Orion, and then she is prompted to choose a quote-unquote world that could be like a world to return to. She then has to recover her memories from that specific world, and that's pretty much the way of how you clear the game. But also, she has to keep the fact that she's missing her memories from the people she knows 
because otherwise she might get trapped like in a hospital or in any situation that could be dangerous to her. And also she needs to survive until a certain day because some of these worlds are pretty much trying to kill her or there's people uh, out of her, her life in some of these worlds, depending on which one you select. So the worlds are named after like suits of cards, like diamonds, club, hearts, and spades. And after clearing like the four, these four worlds or routes, you unlock the fifth world that is like the Joker. And then you get like an explanation of what exactly is going on here and why your memories are missing in the first place and why sometimes it seems like everything's trying to kill you. So the thing about this game is that for anyone who knows Stainsgate, where the protagonist pretty much has is trapped in this kind of time loop to save someone, you have like a reverse situation in the sense that the the main character doesn't really know what's happening, but there's a specific character that is pretty much the Joker who is trapped in a time loop. So uh, you're pretty much like seeing like the different realities this other character is seeing, and the true root is like pretty much that you you pretty much reach what is considered Stainsgate in this game. So this Amnesia Memories was my first Otome game ever. It was a wild ride. It is usually recommended for people entering into the Otome world. Uh, I don't know if it's the first place to start like right now, but back in the day when there weren't a lot of Otome games out there, this was like the place to start, and many people that are playing Otome games now started with this one. Hmm. So, in Amnesia Later, as I said, it is a fun disc, so it both deals with like after stories and like what if scenarios uh, from the original game. And the one I went through like during this week was Ukios, which is the quote unquote like the true ending of the prior game. Uh, you have like this new story kind of thing that is like a what if scenario that takes place still like during the main story of Animation Memories. But also you have uh, the after stories um, during Ukiyo's after story. The protagonist actually doesn't quite remember what happened during this uh, month where she had amnesia because her memories of everything are kind of hazy. And that has to do with um, the whole time travel and reaching state gets factor. Uh, so the interesting part of this route is the player know what's up, but the, the, the character doesn't know what's up. A lot of this route has to do like with the character like, kind of like coming to terms what, with what actually happened. Uh, but also like finally, like truly, I want to say like becoming a family with, with the guy of the route. It was kind of like a very sweet at times. It had some like moments that were like, okay, you have to pull the amnesia thing because otherwise you wouldn't have like a story besides like uh, all the, the fluff and stuff. But overall, good route for a fan disc, I guess. That's pretty much like all the, the, the progress on that game that I got this week. Yeah, I think that's about it. I'll keep like going through different routes and maybe upgrade, update my progress later down the route. But the big one I've been playing is Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valencia. Which is featuring prominently on the board behind you, which will mean absolutely nothing to people who are listening. <laughs> <Ta -da! laughs> Let me be happy to have my board here. So, uh, Fire Emblem Echoes. I'm just going to call it Shadows of Valencia from here on out because the, the title is a mouthful. Mm -hmm. 
Teresa Palencia is uh, quite a different experience from the traditional Fire Emblem game because, first of all, it is a remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden. Um, Fire Emblem Gaiden was the second game in the Fire Emblem series, and as every good second game in any series, it is the black sheep of the franchise. Specifically, Nazir and Nintendo series is weirdly. Yep. And yeah. the thing about this game is that, first of all, you don't have the weapon triangle because, first of all, you don't have access to the like axe-wielding characters. So, mm. well, the Shadow Dragon remake got the weapon triangle treatment, Shadows of Valencia didn't, and the way the game balances everything is that one of the things that matters the most in this game, and you have to take into account most of the time, is the terrain. Because different terrains will give like different uh, bonus to to hit and avoid to to the characters. And not only that, they will affect the movement of many units. So the interesting thing is, is that units like mages and archers actually get featured very prominently and they are very they are very important and very integral part of your armies and i said armies because in this game you also play the two armies so you have alma and Selika that are kind of like child friends got separated and each of all is out on a mission so alma is pretty much a leading an army called the deliverance um because Invasion happened, Fire Emblem style, and um, with other people are out to stop them. On the other hand, you have Selika, who, um, as the star of the game, she's a priestess, and she believes that uh, a lot of the things that are happening is because one of the gods of the region, Mila, something happened to her. So her objective is to reach the Temple of Mila and see what went wrong and try to solve everything as bloodshed free as possible though it is a war so hehe <laughs> no <laughs> so you have these two characters with their own armies like going through the land of Valencia and it is quite interesting because like Selika's army is very magic heavy like you start the game with three magic users and a cleric and then you get access to other weapons. Well, um, pretty much starts like with a wildcard team because he starts with only villagers as his peers. So on the Alm side of things, you have a very customizable army, though there's like quote unquote canon classes for each of the characters. So you're kind of like nudged to go into a certain direction, but you can do something like completely different if you so wished. Mm. And the way the story intertwines is that you first get like a whole act with Alm, a whole act with Celica, and starting like act three, you get freedom to choose like which, uh, if you want to battle like a lot with Alm first or a lot with Celica first or like intercalated and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, the other thing is the map because the units the enemy units in the map will sometimes like spawn and they will start moving towards like your armies. And if they get the first hit, buckle up because you didn't get like a preparation stage. Instead, if you run into the enemy, you get the preparation stage and you have a certain advantage. But each turn you each time you move, something else is likely to move in the map. 
So you have to be careful whether you're using like Almorzelica because it happened to me because I didn't remember that the enemies could actually like move around in the map. So I moved Zelica and suddenly Alm was under attack because I left him like really close to a spawn point for enemies. I survived, though it wasn't quite fun. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I wasn't quite prepared for it. The other thing that is different is that you have dungeon crawling segments. A little bit like um, in the dungeons in Persona, in the Mother Persona games, and in Chimera Intensive 4. So if you hit this enemy that is like in the overworld, before it notices you, you enter this map. And the enemies will already have a little bit of damage done to them. But if they attack you first, they actually get a free turn. And if you have like multiple enemies like nearby, just like in, I think it was in Persona 4, that if you had two enemies nearby, the fitted one, and then the other group will like march mm -hmm. in. Yeah. So in Fire Emblems, if there's two groups nearby, you'll battle both groups at the same time. So fun times. The enemies That's aren't like, too difficult it is quite balanced because there isn't like really any moment where you steamrolled everything or you get steamrolled by everything yet i remember ha the game having a difficulty spike later on but so far i'm not having any trouble at all and finally the yeah, one I thing don't think i it was that hard like i remember playing this game and this is when i had very little fire emblem experience and i don't remember it being overly punishing mm -hmm. It isn't particularly hard, and it is very, very welcome because if the battles like in the dungeon crawling sections can kill your characters. So yep, the the one thing that it is appreciated is that if you get an, uh, a character killed, you have the what was the name of the item? You have an item that will allow you to go back like a couple of turns. I'm pretty much like fix your mistake and save that unit if yeah, you that still was wish. Thanks to Awakening, right? Because like Awakening introduced that concept in it, and I think they like brought it in for this as well. And we're like, let's have the rewind. <laughs> I don't remember if Awakening had something like I'm that. I do remember like Awakening Ball. did. Yeah, I, I'm like because I remember that being I think the first time that they allowed you to have this like ability. Because remember Awakening dealt a lot with like time stuff, right? Like there was all this like. Um, from the future, like that main character, remember she like poofs from like a different time. Oh, but... or era. No spoilers, please. No, also, that's not like spoilers, bro. That's like right away. No, but <laughs> you don't mean also, time in Awakening. You can save in the middle of the chapter instead of bookmarking. Yeah, yeah, you but could I mean, you can still go back all together, bit, right? Because it was like limited. Yo, I am pretty sure you can't. And I played that game five times, so I'm really? positive. Okay, well, I'm gonna yep. trust your judgment then. I, 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 I must. He's be right. Let us know in the comments down below while you're. I'll tell you right now, it's probably Paula. <laughs> um, um, I must be thinking about when I was playing Shadows of Valencia then, because did they have it in the 3DS versions? Because I, I feel like, um, uh, sorry, in like the Fates games, did they have it in that one? Am I thinking about the Fates? Oh, my memory and those are is a little bit fuzzy because I played the three games like in a week. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't sleep that week. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need sleep. You needed answers. Uh, uh, but yeah. did I really want the answers? <laughs> <laughs> what good are the answers if you can't even remember them? Yeah, I remember like the certain segments of the game, and maybe it was just three houses actually. Yeah, Echoes in Three Houses, I think maybe are the only two that had it. 
Okay. Yeah, tree houses sounds more like it. Yeah. Though I didn't get far enough to get that ability, I think. Well, don't listen to me, folks. It was not that. I must have. <laughs> I must have been thinking about when I was playing Shadows of Valencia then. Um, yeah. Or Tactics Ogre has a similar system. I don't know if you've even played that. That's probably just a non sequitur. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Ignore me. <laughs> I, haven't. I don't know why I brought that. I've up. just derailed the whole thing. Anyway, sorry, Palette. Any any last thoughts on this one? <laughs> <laughs> Um, besides, it is a very good game. Play it. Besides, it is different, but it is still good. Is this a replay this before? Yeah, I played this one before. I don't remember. Whenever it first came out, I played it (laughs) uh, back then. So since I'm I'm trying to play like all the Fire Emblem games, I was like, hey, let's play Gaiden. Wait, no, let's play Shadows of Valencia because Gaiden is probably broken. (laughs) Yeah, probably. It came out in 2017. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, yeah. Oh, so after Fates, then. Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right, um, sandwiched right between that and Three Houses, basically. Yeah, because Fates was 2015, right? Yeah, and then that one. Oh, that must have felt... So playing it, because I played it, I think, before I actually played Fates, and it was very fun, but I bet you that was a weird game to play after you've played Fates and Awakening. That's probably why it got, like, mixed uh, reception, because it's a good game, just... Yeah, that's a weird. That's a weird Different, game yeah. between Fates and Three Houses. Now I think about it, you know what I mean. Yeah, like it is an excellent game, but I think Fates in particular, especially um, Birthright, that game is so easy. Then, yeah, if you if you play like anything like after that, you're you're probably get your ass handed to. <laughs> yeah, or like you're course. you're gonna have a nice time there. Yeah, Birthright was a nice place to start. Like, I remember I played Awakening, then I did Birthright Conquest Revelations, and it felt like a real, uh-huh. it felt like this beautiful scaling up as I went up. But yes. if you're a fan of the series for ages, you're probably like, bah! <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, why don't we truck along then? Um, once again, yep, yep. we've talked so much about what we've, <laughs> what we've beaten and we've been playing. We're long-winded, folks. You should be used to this by now. <laughs> uh, but I actually don't have as much to say about these other ones here. I'm playing more of the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Good. It's not grabbing me yet, which is sort of sad. Um, but that's also, I'm only in the second case, which frankly is the first case, right? Like the first case is always the tutorial case, which is a case, but is it really a case? And the second case is actually, it's reminding me like a little bit too much of the first ace attorney to the point of where i'm just sort of like no spoilers on why but like yeah it's fine i'm just not i'm not i'm not grabbed yet by it like i'm kind of hoping that i'm going to get like a little more into it soon i'll actually talk about this a little bit later i have something to bring up in our next topic but like yeah anyway great ace attorney chronicles (laughs) i'm really hoping i get more into it soon (laughs) uh Music's still fucking dope, though, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Also, to be fair, like, I myself, like, I think it was, like, around the third case where the game, like, really kicked into high gear and yeah. got my full attention. That's kind of what I've heard. And, like, honestly, that's sort of the case with some Ace Attorney games anyway. Some of them do just take a while to ramp right up because they're setting up a lot of stuff. And this game has to set up all new characters again. So I'm kind of like, all right, I'm giving it its time. You know, like, I'm like, I'm sure this will grab me. It's just, I'm not there yet. It's like Breaking Bad. It took me two seasons for Breaking Bad to get me. But once it did, I was in. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, this sets the, the story not only for the first game, but for the second. Because it's, yeah. this is like a duology that is like heavily con- interconnected. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard the second one is really satisfying, like, in, in how it all connects. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh-huh. playing more of tomato adventure i this game is still very funny 
and very adorable. I will say, set your expectations if when you're going to play this game. Like, I have a high tolerance for, like, little random uh jrpg-style games like this, but, like, basically the way it works, it's like, you've got the gimmicks. I like the gimmicks, too, because, like I said, they have different controls. Like, one of them is straight up, they they show you, a like, um you know, the the cardinal directions along with, like, you know, the diagonal ones, and a little, like, ball will go in there, and you have to, like, move and, like, uh, with the the d-pad and like hit the a button on all of the little ones for your attack to move correctly and like they do some clever shit with the attacks and like they're like little mini games for each of your attacks and i'm like neat like even like i feel like it does way more than what like the mario games would go on to do because those games would sort of just be like time it right time it right you know and like that was kind of basically it but this is like there's more than timing there's memory stuff and things like that there's even some that are kind of luck based which if you have <laughs> if you have save states you always win. (laughs) 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 Which is actually sort of important because like it's tied to your thing called the awe meter. And like there's this awe meter, which you can unleash like really special attacks. But if you fail one of your attacks, you lose all your kind of star power in it. So there's this kind of like push and pull of like, do you make your attacks really hard to, uh, to like nail but if you do nail them, you get like a ton of star points and attack or do you lower it down a bit? Like the game's like, do you want to gamble? <laughs> like, and it, like, it does it in or a do you want way. to be a dirty, dirty cheater? Which I am. <laughs> <laughs> Though there's some you can't fudge. Like some of them are like tapping A quickly or like timing and you just can't screw that. that. Like you just got to be able to do it. Mm. Anyway, story's really fun so far. I'm like uh, maybe a third of the way through the game. It's one of those games where like the enemies are all on screen so you can avoid them if you want. But the, the battles are pretty fun. So like you might as well not. And if you don't, you're going to be like a real strong. And the boss battles are actually kind of interesting because often you can target different parts of them. And like, there is some strategy over like, okay, who, what do I hit first? Like, how am I going to do this? Um, not always a ton, but like you can lose at times um, if you're not careful. And there's no like healing spells or anything. So like, you're going to have to use your items, but you do find out that one of your ah moves can heal you. So, but it, it's a, you gotta, you gotta really do a lot of hits. So you gotta, you're gonna have to use it properly. So you gotta yeah. reload and stay a couple of times. Yeah. yeah like you, you just, yeah, or no, you don't actually have to do that, which is kind of nice. You just got to make sure you're like ready to go. Um, yeah. You gotta save state. Yeah. Anyway, it's a fun game. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and I'm playing a game that both Rick and I are playing, so we'll chat on this. Uh, playing Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. I, this game, yeah. Like, you know, the the only quibble I'll give with this game, and I, I can't even really fault the game for this. Like, it's not its fault. It's just that, like, eventually, as the puzzles get more challenging, they do sort of get to a little bit to a point where you're like, what's the fucking, what, what the fuck do I have to do? And, like, you kind of have to do, like, your repeat. And, like, sometimes it'll, it has beautiful animations but like sometimes those play out a little too much. And if you're just trying to solve it, you're like, oh fuck, I gotta go all the way back and like solve this thing. So that's like, but that's like a really minor quibble on it. Like I, I feel like I can overlook it because like what it's doing is so good. But yeah, there is just a bit of that. Like, especially as you start to get to the areas that actually do require you to kind of think outside the box and experiment a little bit. You sort of feel like you have to like go back and like re-experiment a couple times. But I can't say that's my memory, but it would be interesting to see if I find that on the replay. Anyway, because yeah. so this is your first playthrough, isn't it? Or am I making that up? Yeah, this is my first playthrough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is what I mean. Like, it depends on your tolerance for it at a certain point. Like, there's, there's really only two moments that I can think of right now where it was just like, 
damn, I wish I could get to the trying it a little quicker than having to wait. Like there, there's a stealth segment in yeah. particular where you just, there's just a fair bit of waiting that you're like, come on. But the game's pretty good at like figuring that out. But anyway, really, really fun. The characters are so well realized. Like this is something that I really enjoy about the game and Shutakumi's work in general is that like his characters are very much people. Um, even if they're in a crazy world, the world is stylized and it's consistent. Like this world in here has like a consistent logic to it, even though it's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's dealing a lot with death and some crazy scenarios, but like it all it all feels cohesive and whole. And you know, it's actually something that. I don't know how the hell we got this game in the West. Like, I'm so glad it came. It makes zero <laughs> fucking sense to me that this game came to the West. Like, I'm genuinely like, how did that happen? Like, Ace Attorney, like, investigations and shit didn't come to the fucking West, like, the second one. And then this game did. Like, I'm like, also sort of sad because maybe it's part of what killed it. But, like, it's such a, like, uh, a fun, excellent game. And I'm so glad that it did get a full localization because it's wonderful. But it also makes me, like... I'm going to bring this up again later in the topic, but sometimes you get these, sometimes we hit on a series and we hit on an idea and the idea is great. And so then the company wants to keep making said idea because said idea is good and said idea makes money. Um, and said idea gets a lot of sequels <laughs> and they're great. And I love them. And Phoenix Wright is one of my favorite series of all time. But also, like, maybe let Shutakumi go do something else. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, because when he does something else, he makes this. And it's so fucking good. And, like, I'm mm-hmm. glad it's a one-off. I'm like, it only exists as this thing. And I'm like, that's so dope. Um, but I also understand that it probably, and it, uh, from what I know, Ghost Trick took so long to make because they're creating a full world, right? And, like, that takes a lot of work. And, you know, Ace Attorney can kind of, iterate on itself a little bit which is also great because sometimes you get really cool shit from that but i don't know there's no real answer to it all i know is i'm enjoying ghost trick what about you rick (laughs) yeah so ghost trick for a multitude of reasons just would only ever be a one and done the the way the story plays out lends itself to a one and done the nature of the world the the nature of the conceit and the way it's sort of formulated um i played this way back in crikey it must have been 2011 or 2012 not too long after it launched um i gave the game out a 10 out of 10 i absolutely adored everything about it i didn't find particularly the problem that you were having um around things being over animated i mean it's something that i generally find in puzzle games just like all right i get it let me solve it now sort of thing but i don't remember having anything like that with this game i remember this just being an absolute pleasure from start to finish um at the moment my replay because thanks to certain global world events, I'm not able to go home and pick up my copy as readily as I might <laughs> otherwise. Because um, I, I have a DS copy. I did think about buying a second copy. Oh, they're expensive now. So yeah, don't happen. even try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I thought is, well, I'll give Capcom a little bit of money. I'll, uh, I'll get the Android version. Yeah, it's been delisted. So uh, I, I went and found myself a copy in Somalia. And so far, so good. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> Pirate's life for me. Anyway, so I'm having a great time with it. I'm loving revisiting it. So much about what they put together in that game is just pleasurable, right down to some of the sound effects. Yeah. Like the surprise, oh, it just. 
There's some Ace Attorney just firing in my head. Yeah, there's some Ace Attorney From. stuff in there too, because like when a chapter ends and it has that like do 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 like thing, and then you like you save your game and it's like clunk, and I'm like I, it just got me where I was like, yeah, Paula knows exactly what I'm talking about. I was like, that's like satisfying, like, right? Because it's like you finish a chapter and it's like yeah, you're done, man. Good job, save, and keep playing, and you're like yeah, <laughs> it's just nice. It's a little touch, but it's nice. Uh, yeah, bottom line, this game is is fucking excellent. And if you're listening to this and you haven't already played it, you really after you've played 13 Sentinels, Muramasa, Deadbolt, this is probably game number four on the light. Rick won't talk to you until you've played these games. Yet. <laughs> um, um, I, I was sorry. Go on. I was checking out like real quick on my on my videos because I want to have like the game like ready to play uh, after the podcast so I don't forget. And this game has something Ace Attorney doesn't, and I really wish it has. That is like an actual like Spanish localization. Because hey. there's so many people that I can't recommend Ace Attorney because they just don't speak English. Uh, or or they are just learning English. Or they've got better taste in games. Hey, get out of here. Ace Attorney is phenomenal. <laughs> um, so casting for a new host in the Halloween <laughs> yeah. podcast is open. Two specifically. Yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm only in the prologue at the moment. I've um I've completed like the first minor bit of a mission. Um, I'm about to hit the part where we meet my favorite character, who's the police detective. I think I mentioned him last week, and he's like an Elvis styled guy, dances in and out of scenes. It's all and jazz hands and ah, oh, amazing. But yeah, I'm I'm really loving revisiting that. In terms of what else I'm playing, I'm still playing Kine. I'm still playing Valhalla. They're both excellent. Don't have anything new to say. Still playing Vagrant Story. The only new thing I have to say is after about four hours in game, um, I'm finally out of the catacombs. And uh, that's been a welcome change of pace because you've got new environments. Like the, the first few hours of Vagrant Story from an environmental perspective, in theory, you've got a catacomb and a wine cellar and a something else. Like they're, they're labeled different things. But it's basically three three hashes of the same environment. So it's nice to, to actually see a different skybox, some slightly different architecture. And then the only other new game I'm playing, and I don't think I'll be playing this much longer than I already have, is Silent Hill Book of Memories, the uh, the much maligned Vita spin-off in the Silent Hill franchise. <clears throat> what do I think about this game? It is odd, Good is turn. what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> it's like the worst elements of Silent Hill and Diablo combined in the least sensible way possible. Right, so it, it's a, a Diablo like isometric dungeon crawling type thing. There's not really any loot, right? That's You're constantly really having to cycle through weapons. Combat is very what's the word I'm looking for? Wooden, stiff, disjointed. There's a lock on system, it just barely works. The game looks nice. Uh, from a story perspective, it has some interesting ideas, although I don't think I'll be playing it long enough to see where they go particularly. And I like that they've sort of swung for the fences and gone for something different. I just don't think it really works, <laughs> uh, which is which is a bit of a shame. And and from a from a level design perspective, because I think the dungeons are, are proc gen. It, it's not entirely clear, but based on the way that they're laid out, they've got to be procedurally generated. There's no way it's not. Mm. Um, and on each level, you have to find like um, a certain number of puzzle pieces. And then they will allow you to do a quote-unquote puzzle at the end of the level to get you to the next level. It's a little bit like 
when games got ported to the Nintendo DS and they had like now with new touchscreen elements and it's mm. literally just like you've got to put five statues in a, in a specific order and stuff like that. absolute token bollocks that just shouldn't be there whatsoever. So the story's mildly interesting, but the gameplay is not compelling. Doesn't really work, and there's a load of redundant gameplay mechanics that have sort of found their way into the game. So, yeah, it's not a ringing endorsement, let's put it that way. And uh, I'm only trying it because I've got a hacked Vita and I could do it for free. Because uh, this is another one that's bloody expensive now. One, because it's Vita, and two, because game prices have just gone up generally. Yeah. In the pandemic. So, so next week in retirement. Um, all right. no. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to put it in retirement, so I think this is me formally telling you that I'm not going to be playing it anymore. Oh, there you go. So I, this I is retirement. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I might even just pop it in and be like, yeah, I retired it, moving on. Um, <laughs> nice. But yeah, I mean, that, that's it in terms of where I'm at with playings. So. Okay. Oh, we went we went long today. <laughs> that's we all right. Indeed. Stick but, with us, folks, because we got a topic. Speaking of games that we played for free. Yeah-ish. Um, so, uh, moving on to our topic of the week. So there's this article that, uh, Rick shared about streaming and I don't know. It's so it says streaming and subscription services, which I'm like, them be fighting words are, uh, are the real enemy or is it streaming and subscription services are the enemy, which obviously that's just a sensational headline to get, you know, clicky, clicky, clickies, um, and read the thing. But the, the brunt of the article does kind of go into the, which, which is fine. Look. Man got to make his money, you know? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> oh, the cynicism right out the gate. Online magazine. Hey, I, I used to have to write for some of this stuff. You, you have to make the titles that are, <laughs> that grab people. You know what I mean? Otherwise, who gives a fuck? No one's going to look three at reasons they're awful. Number two will shock you. Yeah, right. Like, no one's got to <laughs> click on your goddamn thing if it's boring or too generic. But anyway, like, essentially coming into the, going on this idea that like streaming services are essentially, bad for art like that's kind of the take that they're going on that it's bad for art and for like art preservation and it also tries to say that it's but okay i have a complaint here it's trying to say that it's not good value um because you have to get all of them which i was like that's such a that's such a dumb point because like do you know anyone who has every subscription service like everyone i know has multiple different versions you know what i mean and like has sharing of it and like shares it to the point where like netflix and them even realize they're like everyone fucking shares these let's just make it a feature you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i have to say I, I pay for a sloth on someone else's netflix account, yeah exactly so like, I'm, I'm fully there but and and this is where it's interesting so it's worth making a clarification which is that the author is coming essentially from the angle of mm-hmm. sales as a service which is why they conflate subscriptions and streaming, which we'll probably end up talking a little bit separately yeah. because really the, the the pros and the cons for them do sort of split out a little yeah. bit. It's not it's not mm-hmm. one and the same, but they are one and the same in the sense that it's turning what was a discrete one-time purchase into an ongoing subscription model. Yeah. Generally, because no one's offering game streaming in and of itself. Even Google Stadia was, we would like you to subscribe and also pay full price for the game that you yeah. don't own and only have access to at our pleasure. And everyone was like, so that, now we're good. <laughs> right. And, and that, that's why they're bundled in in the argument. Um, in terms of, uh, everyone just shares them. 
like yeah that's sick at the moment but that is purely because netflix is lax about it because but, Prime it's, not, but it's not because they're lax, lax about, about it. it i feel like that's such a like misnomer they're not lax about it they made it a feature because it's what happens right like they have to adapt to what people no it is a feature on netflix you have individual profiles on prime you have individual yep. profiles on disney plus you have individual profiles like it's it's what consumers wanted and what we demanded and what we've done right like they could try to get rid of it but they'll lose people you know what i mean like that's part of that issue where it's like it's better to have them on board than to lose them at this stage of the plan so yeah but um, hypotheticals bro you can't we can't operate in those we have to work in like how does the uh, how does the market work you know what i mean generally sure but let, let me lay it out for sure. you so yeah, but what, I... what companies like uber and amazon are doing mm-hmm. is essentially operating at a loss mm-hmm. on the assumption that they can do it long enough to choke out their competitors and develop a, non- a monopoly for themselves, at which point they can basically ask what they want because they're the only game in town. That's the reason that investors keep putting money into those companies. That's where that is. Microsoft, which obviously Game Pass is the only real sort of functioning um, subscription service at the moment. Um, you have PS now, but as it stands, doesn't really work. You have Stadia. Hold on, Three people have Stadia, I presume, apparently. <laughs> I don't think yeah, go ahead. this metaphor tracks because I, I agree with you. That's what Amazon and Uber's models operate under. But yeah. that's they're offering a, a finite service, right? They're offering mm-hmm. product. Uber, uh, but U- even Uber, I don't think Uber's plan is to dominate all of them. They're filling in a, a niche, but like taxi services still exist. They can't take over at all. And they're losing a lot of battles right now because they're being forced to pay their workers. But anyway, uh, Amazon itself is offering a finite service. That argument doesn't track with something like Netflix or Spotify or all these other things, because in reality, it, like especially Netflix, Netflix is operating on a loss because they're creating content. And that's different than taking out the little guy, right? Like, because they're making content to be consumed but it's not the same as like I'm creating this particular physical product. It's like their Netflix is never going to beat out everything. That's not their project. Their idea is that they want to continuously spend to make themselves indispensable to the viewer to say, look at all the content we have. Why would you ever want to leave us? Yeah, sure. You can have your other Disney plus and you can have your other shit. That's fine. We don't mind. But what we want is that you stick with us, right? Because like Netflix doesn't need them to be dead. They simply need you know, to have content. Same with Microsoft. Why would Microsoft have any interest in beating everybody out in the gaming industry? That makes no sense. They want the gaming industry to be strong and vibrant so that everyone sees how good of a product Game Pass is. Amazon is a whole different beast and a disgusting You've game. taken that at a place I wasn't yeah. even going. Yeah, where, but... where I was going with that, where I was going with that is Microsoft can afford to throw money at this forever. And they are in a situation, this is an interesting thing, we'll probably move on to the value proposition side of things at the moment. Mm -hmm. As it stands at the moment, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, assuming you're not worried about the ownership and some of the other drawbacks of that, in terms of purely what you get access to for the price that you get access to it, it's excellent at the moment. Now, if it gets to a point where Microsoft then suddenly aren't offering those games as discrete purchases, if it's only on Game Pass, you know, you, you get to a point where you can, and Microsoft have already tried to do this with the gold subscription. You can suddenly jack the price up and then you're in a situation where people haven't really got much else of a choice. Yeah, but do you, do you already see though how like we react to their choice, their decisions? Like this is the thing that I always sort of boggles me. It's like we say that they could do this, but like they even tried to raise the price of gold and people said over my dead fucking body. And I was like, you know, they, they tried to duplicate the, the price of gold. Yeah. Uh, I doubled the, the, yeah. the price of gold. 
and they tried to take something else away from it at the same time and then it ended up they didn't they didn't follow through with it but all it takes is one company to say well, we'll ride it out we'll follow through with it and then it's a, a whole other yeah, game. I and i accept this is all a hypothetical yeah i know and i know but i also just i just don't buy that because like again Look at Google too, and we we mentioned this thing. Like I hear this often, like Microsoft can throw money at the wall, sure, but like Microsoft threw money at the Xbox One, and that was dumb. Like it required leadership, you know what I mean? Like and it required an actual idea. Like Google threw fucking money at Stadia. Google could afford to throw money at Stadia forever. Amazon can afford to throw money at the fucking game studios they're doing. Doesn't mean they're making good fucking games. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Money's not everything, right? And like I get yeah. it, but like Game Pass is. It, I just I don't believe Game Pass is succeeding because Microsoft is simply throwing so much money at it. I think Game Pass is succeeding because it is a good idea. They hit the right idea, and now they're pouring money into it. It's the fact that like it, you have to combine these things. I, I could have millions and millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars, and just like say we're having streaming and just do it like Google does it and still not make it work. You know what I mean? Like there's a, yeah, there, yeah I don't know. Well, I, I mean, is it, but, are they throwing money at it because it worked well or is it working well because they threw money at it and money in the form of their own exclusives that they can make available through it? Like that. that's all I mean is you, you have to be huge and be able to eat a fat loss to be able to make that work even remotely in the way that microsoft is right now i don't think they're not even making that much of a loss i mean the, the subscriptions they're doing pretty good and like the the cost benefit of like keeping people in it for that long and it looks nice for them but anyway regardless of like sorry paula were you gonna did you have something yeah sorry i cut you off oh the trying to expand a little bit on the idea you brought that game pass did a lot right and that's why it is pretty much like one of the, I think it's like the best subscription service for video games right now. It's because first of all, you can download the thing. I can't, mm. I can't even like emphasize this enough how important that is because PlayStation, I don't know how PlayStation now is operating, but uh, uh, for some time it was like streaming only, trying to stream anything yeah. with like very bad internet and hello data caps. I, mm. I feel like with streaming services in general, data gaps like really make themselves like known. Also, not only it is pretty affordable, like especially like here, it's like it's not even like ten bucks a month. It's like seven dollars a month, I think. And you can get like either oh, that's the PC one because it, I think it's ten dollars a month for the like both Xbox and PC one. But yeah, you have like multiple platforms. I integrated and I also like streaming to your mobile device, which I've heard is pretty good. But not only that, um, unlike PlayStation, they actually make payment easy. Because yeah. in in the in the Play Store, in the PlayStation store, you have to have like a credit card of the same country as your account. And as you know, here in TLA, we are like very limited on one on what we can buy from the PlayStation Store, like from our country, mm. or we don't get the same deals that other countries get. Mm. So more often than, than not, we pretty much just use like the United States service for everything, save for Xbox, because they make it very easy to pay with whatever the fuck you want. Mm. Yeah. And something that I also think that's like, an interesting point too is like they talk about like artists um, in the article like and whatnot talk about how like things like this can like shift the way that um, games are made and like um, who's going on them and like that's something where I actually think 
it's like a net positive right now where like game like like developers are like bruh our costs are covered like our game is covered yes. and then people get their fucking eyes on our game it's like ah right like you know you have that moment where you're like holy shit like suddenly it's like a good and creating smaller experiences aren't actually considered a bad thing now it's like oh no you can have a fun niche mm-hmm. experience and get it like guarantee you if the fucking like outriders game didn't come out on game pass no one in the planet would have talked about that game <laughs> because it's much more of a gamble now the caveat and this is something that hadn't actually occurred to me in the concept in the context of this conversation we were having on discord is the perverse incentives that potentially come in so stadia yes it's redundant but obviously this, this is an example of what can happen sort of thing um they were shifting or were talking about shifting to sort of judging a game's success on their service based on number of days played yeah um based on time uh, played and so what what you end up actually is if a, a company wants to be in a position to take what is a sweet deal to put yourself on streaming services as we talk about this in 2021 they are maybe under certain pressures to design their games to want people to come back every day or pad their games out because it's going to look better for their analytics in a way that isn't a problem if you're making a discrete one-time purchase or less of a problem because obviously hmm. the, the steam refund can sort of be sucky under the two-hour mark but yeah like broad yeah. brush also though let's oh sorry go ahead yeah. Paola. On the other hand, like smaller experiences often get overlooked, like for example, Steam, because it's like, oh, that is probably like, I don't know, a two hour game. I'm not going to pay such and such for only a two hours of experience. So on that front, uh, a smaller games joining Game Pass is a very good thing because you are able to just make the small game you want to make and not bad out the content similarly as it stands assuming that it doesn't find itself in a situation where um your platform holders are saying oh the last game you did people only played on average for 45 minutes yeah. so we want something longer from you or we a want trip. something where it has to be spaced out over a week and people have to sort of log back in sort of but thing. we're also saying as if this is something that subscription services have created this is the major triple a gaming studios mantras right now like fucking ea AAA. yeah but then you're talking about fucking smaller Christ. indies taking the deal so then you, you have it on both sides of the yeah but what i'm saying is like i i don't actually think that's as much what we're seeing because like you know not a fucking crazy thought here but when you make uh you know fucking i don't know mass effect 4 costs a lot more money than making your two-hour indie game <laughs> You know what I mean? So, like, yep. ultimately, how long it takes to play, that might actually be fine because, you know, Game Pass or whatever says, like, okay, how long will people come into this? Okay, well, it's probably worth about this much is how many people are going to get it, and that probably covers your development costs at least. And then you're like, good, woohoo, you know? Um, and then people get their eyes on it, more people buy them. Like, there's there's already analytics that show, like, when a game enters into that, more people see it. The more people who play your shit, the better, right? And if you can have yep. a service that pays you for it and... Microsoft has set the standard now, right? And I actually that this is why look, I'm no I'm no fucking Microsoft's a company like whatever. One day I can I can like them one day hate them the next depending on their actions. But like right now I I have to say that like I I get the idea of like maybe one day in the future, but they've set a really excellent groundwork with Game Pass. And the groundwork is pay the artists, right? And that's what they do. They pay them. They go right to them and they pay them. Um and that's the thing for me where it's like I don't know, or, or the publisher, right? Because they'll be talking with the publishers so that the publisher does it. And, but that also means the developers are paid because the developers work with the... You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they get paid, at least, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for mm-hmm. the game. Yeah. And- oh, 
Yeah. I, I forget a little thing that I remembered with Rick saying that there are like more like Mali's oriented um actions going on. I think it was Square Enix who wasn't like paying a studio because they didn't know like, oh no, we we can't estimate the sales of this game because That's Game Pass and stuff. Enough. Yeah, that was a recent. Oh, happening. that was. Yeah, it was I an investors the name of the game. thing. Yeah, um, they they're not sure. I'm, I'm not speaking profit. in defense of publishers. Fuck Square Enix for lots of reasons that included. <laughs> so let's be clear on that. Yeah, but but yeah, I can I can see like. I think it isn't the first time Squeenix does something like this, by the way. Yeah, Squeenix has been stuff. scummy for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, like, with stuff like that happening, yeah, I can, I can see, like, the, like, that fear of developers maybe not getting paid outright because you have a publisher, like, in the middle managing everything. I would like to think that it, it, it doesn't happen that often, though. And again, it's like, I don't think... Uh, subscription service is the root of this issue, right? Like, I feel like subscription services, streaming services are these really convenient and easy scapegoats for a lot of serious problems that exist within these industries. And then we throw it on them. Like, I mean, people are acting like this concept of paying every month is new. This is fucking movie rentals, man. Like, it's just, this is what this is. It's, and it's cheaper. In the freaking, in the run of a month, you would rent a movie once a week easily often more than right. one and it would end up costing right. more than fucking netflix and like game pass was the same thing like and cable and satellite it's hundreds of like oh, hundreds of dollars a month for this shit and like i don't know yeah. i just when i hear people saying like no and this oh. isn't on you rick i feel like your opinion's more nuanced on this but like when i see stuff like this article and whatnot like going in on subscription services i'm just like it it, it screams of luddism to me like it's very much the idea of like it's the tech's fault <laughs> you're like you know, it's old man with the <laughs> stick who's like, I love my VHSs. <laughs> Makes me think yeah, of that one you... cinema with Tim Heidegger. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 up... I'm sorry, go on, Pala. Sorry, yeah. go on. Not that you brought up, like, um, rentals. Like, one of the number one things that I hated, like, when going to Blockbuster when I was uh, uh, just a little kid, they don't always have the movie you want. And <laughs> yeah. when they do have it, there's a chance the disc is pretty much ready for the trash bin <laughs> and that is an excellent jumping off point because this this is the interesting thing with you bringing it rentals the problems are essentially the same problems as with physical rentals just in slightly different configurations so accessibility is one it's not always going to be there how many times alex on this show have you said oh i had to play the game because it's about to leave the service yeah that's yeah. great i right? got to experience it I like that. I'm an indecisive man. <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting angle, but like, that's the thing. The game you want's not necessarily going to be on the service. Yeah, so um, what? That's fucking not, life, not bro. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> there, there are games on services like Stadia where they are exclusives, yeah. where mm-hmm. once that license runs out, it to go away. Look at the, the Deadpool game on PS4, right? Sure, yeah. So that is a game that essentially you had two windows to buy the original one and the one where they renewed the license for deadpool 2 you didn't get it then it's gone for good now because that game was a discrete purchase if you've got it you get to keep it uh preservationists had a chance to preserve it if that game were just being streamed much harder to preserve and if you didn't play it in one of those two windows you can't even go and track down a disc copy you're just screwed it's just gone forever this is one now, where i have a hot take that you probably don't agree with sorry i'll let you finish it. i think this is the avatar's take which is it's great that i don't get to play this forever 
Yeah, I'm I'm honestly, I come from theater. I'm a theater kid. I don't think we have an obsession with preserving every little thing that exists. And I get it. And look, it's I understand the the desire, but like I don't think everything There's beauty deserves in the temporary. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it, but also like as a reference point for future generations, it's sort of important. Yeah. Especially with, with games, because there's um the element of interactivity creates a whole other set of uh, problems, challenges, situations that future developers can look to previous games to have solved. Um, it was a different article that I was reading around this situation, talking about preservation more than accessibility, which is the other issue that sort of ties into the rental type. Yeah, thing. we might um, we might want to save. I, I'd like you to finish. We, we might want yeah, to save preservation yeah, for another day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do preservation another time, but I'll, I'll finish on this point. So the guy. The guy was saying, of the the games that I'd like to refer my students to, in terms of talking about development challenges that have been solved, there's maybe 10% of them that I can legally recommend, you know, yeah. that, that are legally accessible. And the vast majority of problems that people run onto in development, chances are someone somewhere in a game has already fixed them. And so in that sense, you know, continued access to those sort of things is good for us, the players. It's also good for us, the future players and the future developers. Um, and to, to try and tie that into accessibility, which is why I think we're finishing this off, um, streaming takes that ownership, just as rental did, away from you. And essentially, that that's part of why it's so much cheaper, because your access is at the pleasure of the rights holder and the publisher, rather than, you know, with digital purchase, you've got Eulers and it's all a little bit murky anyway. But realistically, yeah. Sony's not going to come knocking on the door mm -hmm. saying, hey, we want that digital copy of Tsushima back now. Like, yeah. you've got that for good, basically. basically. And that, that's one of the wrinkles so like streaming and subscription. Yeah. still functioning. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Which is like, it's another thing. Like, it's like, what happens if when you lose it? Can you re-download it? Like, how much do you actually own a digital game? It's one of the reasons why, like, I go, like, there are bigger issues, but... Sorry, I, we'll get into this another day. But like one of my things is like we we've found a solution for preserving things, and it was called the library. But we often forget <laughs> these things, and it's like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's an argument for me where I'm like, we should be having more of these built up for games and stuff. But that's like a whole other goddamn world. Um, but one world where I don't think my I guess my big my big last thing, and then Paula, I want to give you off for you for your last thoughts on this. But like my thing is like I don't think things that make playing games easier and more accessible for more people are bad. I think they're a net good that have issues. And that's why for me, like with Game Pass, for sure, it's not fucking perfect. Uh, like you mentioned, there's some things on ownership, but the fact that more people can play games and I've already experienced a wealth of games that I never ever would have played um, this year that are, are more niche in a lot of ways and rougher around the edges sometimes, but with interesting ideas. To me, I'm just like, that has added such value to my life. And it's just so, it's so nice. But anyway, Paolo, what, what are your last thoughts on this whole topic? What do you, what do you think? I don't think like uh, streaming and subscription services are inherently bad. But there are like bad things that happen around it. But it doesn't, it isn't inherent to the, to the form of distribution itself. It has to do like with other things that, has, that affect also physical media or like digital copies or something. I can't really think of a game right now that was able like to only be made because some subscription services, I don't know, bought it or something like that. But I can think of a series that is called The Dragon Prince that is only mm. getting like the remaining of the seasons made because Netflix paid the people who made the first, was it three or four seasons? Three or four yeah. seasons. 
I think it was three. And the only reason they are getting to finish the series is because Netflix paid them to do so. Mm. Maybe they could have gone like the Kickstarter way, but to be honest, like all the crowdfunding platforms are like a whole different story that <laughs> it's a whole different kind of worms that I don't really want to open right now. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. Yep. So um Game Pass is an excellent value. It's it does it suck that other services are like rising up because of Game Pass and they have I don't remember we soft something or whatever. Yeah, but you always have like another option to get the game. Like as long as it isn't the only option, especially on the preservation side of things, because you can't you you could use OBS and ensure a copy of the movie on Netflix if you know what I mean. But you can do the same if you're streaming a game. So as long as there's a way, like I don't know, to download the game, to play the game, or or access the the game files or something. There's gonna be a way, or there's gonna be somewhere out, someone somewhere out there who's gonna take the steps to preserve it in case it goes away. I think preservation needs to be our next topic because it's an interesting one. Because ironically enough, that article yep. talks about how like uh, streaming is making preservation harder when in reality it's the complete opposite. Piracy took off yep. with streaming because it's so easy. Yep. <laughs> I, and that's an interesting distinction because the gaming situation is very yeah, different. Exactly. Let's not go there. It, effectively, this is all a question of ownership for me, ultimately. And subscriptions and streaming are a front on which that battle is very easily lost. And I yeah. think for me, that was probably the thrust of the argument that was resonant. We will get into that more around preservation because yeah. that's really where it comes to the fore. But this is fun. I like debating. I, li- I like this topic. It's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> really? uh, uh, too far, you... Do you ever own something like forever? Like cartridges I mean, when, can get when, lost. When the sun explodes and we're all burnt yeah. to cinders, I will own nothing, and it will have all been for nothing. But I think if, even, if you want to be like that about it, I think it's even sooner. Oh, yeah, but, in some ways. but sorry, let's yeah, save this. Save it for next week. <laughs> <laughs> next week on how long to be preservation? Uh, Does anything last forever? Do we all? <laughs> I just listened to a podcast today about when we could die. Did you know someone lived to be 122 or 25 or something like that? That's wow. crazy. Uh, all right. Uh, now it's time for... I take it we're not doing the question then. <laughs> yeah, no, we ain't. No question this week. It's how long to beat the game. <laughs> we're already at like 150. We have gone long. <laughs> sorry, Paola. Yeah, I'm sorry, girl. Speaking of that, Paola, what are we playing this week? Um, Ape Escape 3. Oh, I, oh, okay. Is that on the PS1? Uh, so the preview shows the PlayStation, PlayStation 2. 2 artwork. Yes. Okay. I have seen that little dude with his little button hat, but I have never, ever, ever played any of these and even know what the hell they're about. Right. Oh main, 10 hours. Main plus, 12 <laughs> hours. 100%, 19 hours. Boom. Damn, son. Yeah. It might be like making things happy because I'm pretty sure my boyfriend talked about Ape Escape at some point. It seems that you're trying to get some monkeys that pretty much run away because they develop conscience or something like that. And you go with, like, with a net trying to bring them back to whatever place. Yeah, that's um, they were... I've never played one, but that, that is the premise, yes. Hmm. 
Yeah. There was a PS. In fact, no, that's a lie. I tried the PSP one for five minutes. Hated that you had no direct camera control and deleted it. <laughs> Shit, man. I don't know. I kind of. God damn it. I sort of want to go in your direction because I feel like it's one of these gays. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, I feel like this is this seems to me like a quintessential like eight to, to eleven hour game kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like in that. But then you also ask the question of like how mu- how long is the completion point of this? Is it long? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll do something like um. Maybe I'll do eleven hours. <laughs> Go on then. And price is right me again. Well, I can't and help that, it. When we get to a certain point with these games, there's only so many scores uh, times I can put in. <laughs> um, maybe I'll go high. Yeah, I'm gonna go ten hours and a half, twelve hours and thirteen hours, maybe. Interesting. I eleven hours, thirteen hours, thirty minutes, eighteen hours and thirty minutes. That's. <laughs> That's appalling. Wait, maybe I'll do 19 hours and 30 minutes. No, is oh that too high? Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do 19 hours and 30 minutes. All right, Paolo, what do we got? I hope it's 14 hours. Fuck you. Yeah. Should I check the times? Why do I feel this is going to be like a trip game or something like that? Yeah. Watch Main story, hour. six hours. Oh, oh, oh shit. No, no, no. no, I'm good so far. I'm good so far. Go on. Made an extras, nine hours. I'm good so far. Completion is 12 hours. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Does that mean you oh. got in, uh, Paula? No. Yeah. Paula, I you did, did it. it. No. I it. Oh, Paula did. Yeah, That's yeah. awesome. So you're 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 closing the gap. So it's 79 points for Rick, 77 for Alex, and 70 for Paula. Nice. All the seven. <laughs> Should have gone on the lower end. Whew, dang. Oh, I'm so annoyed. Oh well. That's funny. I thought it was a little higher one, because this seems like Ape Escape, I assumed, would have you know, a lot of collecting in it. <laughs> oh, well, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we're going to talk preservation. Oh, boy. Uh, the merits oh, of boy. it and all that. I'm excited. You know, chime in. If you have a question for the How Long to Beat podcast, by the way, which we didn't get to this week, you can send it to us at hltbpodcast at gmail.com or in the Discord or in the forums. Oh, my God, so many places. What am I going to do? All right, see ya. How are we going to keep up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye.